Chapter Fifteen of the Castle of the Carpathians by Jules Verne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joe Denoya, Somerset, New Jersey. Is the connection with the chapel finished, Orphanic? I have just done it. Everything is ready in the casemates of the bastions. Everything. The bastions and chapel are in direct connection with the dungeon. They are. And after the instrument was made the current, we shall have time to get away. We shall. Have you made sure the tunnel onto the Vulcan is clear? It is. They were silent for a few minutes while Orphanic took up his lantern and directed its light into the corners of the chapel. "'Ah, my old castle!' exclaimed the baron. "'You will cost them dear who would storm your walls.' And Rodolphe de Gortz pronounced these words in a tone which made the Count shudder. "'You've heard what they say at worst?' the baron asked Orphanic. Fifty minutes ago I heard on the wire what they were talking about at the King Matthias. "'Is the attack to be tonight?' "'No, not until daybreak.' "'When did this Rotsko return to worst?' Two hours ago, with the police he brought from Crossburg. "'Well, as the castle cannot defend itself,' said the baron, "'at least it can crush under its ruins this Franz de Talec and all his people with him.' Then, after a few minutes, he continued, "'And this wire, Orphanic, will they ever know that it put the castle in communication with the village worst? I will destroy it, and they will know nothing about it. And now the hour would seem to have come to explain certain phenomenon which have occurred in the course of our story, the origin of which ought to no longer be concealed.' At this point it must be remembered that these events happened in one of the closing years of the nineteenth century. The useful electricity, which had justly been called the soul of the universe, had been brought to its highest perfection. The illustrious Edison and his disciples had finished their work. Among other electrical instruments, the telephone then worked with such wonderful precision that the sounds collected by the diaphragms could be freely heard without the aid of ear trumpets. What was said, what was sung, what was even whispered could be heard at any distance and two persons separated by thousands of leagues could converse as easily as if they were side by side. For some years Orphanic, the baron's inseparable companion, had been in all that concerns the practical applications of electricity an inventor of the first order. But, as we know, his admirable discoveries had not been welcomed as they deserved. The learned world had taken him for a madman, whereas he was a man of genius, and hence the inappeasable hatred which the despised inventor bore to his fellow men. It was under these circumstances that Baron de Gortz had met Orphanic, who was then in the depths of misery. He encouraged him in his work, he helped him with money, and finally he engaged him to be his companion, on condition that he alone should profit by any inventions. In fact, these two eccentric personages were made to understand one another, and since their meeting they had never separated, not even when the Baron de Gortz was following Lestilla from town to town in Italy, while the melomaniac was intoxicating himself with the singing of the incomparable artiste. Orphanic was busy in completing the discoveries made by electricians during these later years, perfecting their adaptations and obtaining the most extraordinary results from them. After the events which terminated the dramatic career of Lestilla, the Baron had disappeared without anyone knowing what had become of him. When he left Naples, it was in the castle of the Carpathians that he had taken refuge, accompanied by Orphanic, who had no hesitation in shutting himself up with it. When he resolved to bury his existence in this old castle, the Baron's intention was that no inhabitant of the district should suspect his return and no one tried to visit him. He need not say that Orphanic and he had the means of providing liberally for their daily wants. In fact, a secret communication existed with the road over the Vulcan, and by this road an old servant of the barons, whom nobody knew, brought in all that was necessary for the existence of Baron Rodolph and his companion. In reality, what remained of the castle, and particularly the central dungeon, was less dilapidated than was believed, and even more habitable than its inmates required. Orphanic, provided with all he wanted for his experiments, busied himself with immense researches in physics and chemistry, and of these he proposed to avail himself in his attempt to keep off unwelcome visitors. The Baron de Gortz received the propositions with eagerness, 
and Orphanic built special machinery for spreading terror in the country by producing phenomenon which could only be ascribed to diabolic agencies. But in the first place it was necessary for the Baron de Gortz to be kept informed of what was passing in the nearest village. Was there any means of hearing what his people were talking about without their suspecting anything? Yes, if a telephone communication could be established between the castle and the large saloon of the King Matthias, where the notables of worst were accustomed to meeting every evening. Orphanic managed very skillfully and very secretly, and in the most simple manner, a copper wire covered with the insulating sheath had one end fastened on the first floor of the dungeon, and was then laid under the waters of the Nyad up to the village of Worst. This part of the work accomplished, Orphanic, going himself out as a tourist, came to spend a night at the King Matthias, and there connect the wire with the inn saloon. It was easy for him to bring up the end, from the bed of the torrent to the height of the back window which was never opened. He then fixed a telephonic instrument which was hidden by the thick foliage, and with that connected the cable. As the instrument was ingeniously adopted to emit as well as receive sound, Baron de Gorse could hear all that was said at the King Matthias, and make himself heard whenever he chose. During the first years the tranquility of the castle was not troubled. The evil reputation it enjoyed was enough to keep the people of Worst away from it. But one day, that on which our story began, the purchase of the telescope led to the smoke being noticed escaping from the dungeon chimney. From that moment interest was reawakened, and we know what happened. It was then that the telephonic communication proved useful, for the Baron and Orphanic could keep themselves posted up on what was passing in the village. It was by the wire that they knew that Nick Deck had undertaken to visit the castle, and by the wire the threatening voice entered the room to endeavor to keep them away. When the young forester persisted in his determination in spite of the menace, the Baron resolved to give him such a lesson that he would have no desire to try it again. That night, Orphanic's machinery, which was always in working order, produced a series of purely physical phenomenon intended to carry terror throughout the district. The bell was rung in the old chapel, intense flames were shot forth mingled with sea salt, giving a spectral appearance to everything. Powerful sirens were worked from which the compressed air escaped in terrible groans. Diagram outlines of monsters were projected onto the clouds by means of huge reflectors. Iron plates were laid about the ditch in communication with electric batteries, and one of these plates caught the doctor by his iron-shod boots, while another had given the forester a shock at the moment he laid his hand on the drawbridge. And so the baron thought that after the apparition of these prodigies, after the attempts of Nick Deck which had ended so badly, terror would reach its height in the district, and that neither for gold nor silver would anyone approach even within two good miles of this castle of the Carpathians, evidently haunted by supernatural beings. Rodolphe de Gortz thought himself safe from all unwelcome curiosity when Franz de Telec arrived in the village of Worst. All that passed between him and Jonas and Master Colts and the others was immediately known to him along the wire in the Nyad. The Baron's hatred of the young Count was rekindled by the memory of the events which had occurred at Naples. Not only was Franz de Telec in the village a few miles from the castle, but there before the notables he was deriding their absurd superstitions and demolishing the fantastic reputation that protected the castle of the Carpathians. And he was even undertaking to warn the Carlsberg authorities, so that the police might come and scatter the legends to the winds. And so the Baron de Gortz resolved to allure Franz de Telec to the castle, and we know by what means he had succeeded. The voice of Lestilla, sent into the inn saloon by means of the telephone, had led the young Count to turn aside from his road to visit the castle. The apparition of the singer on the platform of the bastion had given him an irresistible desire to enter, a light shone at one of the windows of the dungeon had guided him to the gate, which was opened to let him in. In this crypt, lighted electrically, in which he had again heard that wonderful voice, and where food was brought him while he was in a lethargic sleep, in that crypt in the depth of the castle, the door which was closed to him, Franz de Telec was in the power of the Baron de Gortz, and the Baron de Gortz intended he should never get out of it. Such were the results obtained by this mysterious collaboration between Rodolphe de Gortz and his accomplice Orphanic. 
but to his extreme disgust the baron knew that the alarm had been given by rotzko who not having followed his master into the castle had warned the authorities at carlsberg a detachment of police had arrived at the village of worst and the baron de gortz would have a strong force to contend with how could he and orphanic defend themselves against a numerous party the means employed against nick deck and the doctor patak would not be enough for the police did not believe in diabolic intervention and so they had resolved to destroy the castle completely and were only waiting for the moment to act an electric current had been prepared for firing the charges of dynamite which had been buried in the dungeon the bastions and the old chapel and the arrangement would allow the baron and his accomplice having time to escape by the tunnel on the vulcan road after the explosion of which the count and a number of those who had scaled the castle walls would be the victims the two would get so far away that no trace of them would be discoverable what he had just heard had given franz the explanation of many things that had happened he now knew that telephonic communication existed between the castle of the carpathians and the village of worst he also knew that the castle was about to be destroyed in an explosion that would cost him his life and be fatal to the police brought by rotzko he knew that the baron de gortz and orphanic would have time to get away dragging with them the unconscious lastilla ah why could not franz rush into the chapel and throw himself on these men he would have knocked them down he would have stopped their injuring anyone he would have prevented the catastrophe but that was impossible at the moment might not be so after the baron's departure when the two had left the chapel franz would throw himself on their track pursue them to the castle and with god's help would settle with them the baron and orphanic were already in the apse franz had not lost sight of them which way were they going out was there a door opening onto the enclosure or was there some corridor connecting to the chapel with the dungeon for it seemed as though all the castle buildings were in communication with each other it mattered little if the count did not meet with an obstacle he could not surmount at this moment a few words were interchanged between baron de gortz and orphanic there is nothing more to do here nothing then we can leave each other you still intend that i should leave you alone in the castle yes orphanic and you get off at once by the tunnel onto the vulcan road but you i shall not leave the castle until the last moment it is understood that i am to wait for you at bistritz at bistritz remain here baron rodolph and remain alone if that is your wish yes for i wish to hear her to hear her once again during the last night i shall pass in the castle of the carpathians a few moments afterwards the baron de gortz and orphanic had left the chapel although the stilla's name had not been mentioned in this conversation franz understood it was of her that rudolph de gortz had just spoken End of chapter fifteen